Right, now if you were to turn again in, uh, to Psalm 37, uh, the same chapter that, or the same psalm that we, uh, we looked at, started looking at last week. Mm-hmm. Psalm 37, verses 1 to 9. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord, and do good. Dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourselves also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret of him who prospers. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. You know, when we started looking at uh, this psalm last Sunday, Sunday morning, mm-hmm. and we saw that it, um, it gives us some sound advice, uh, uh, that, uh, advice that if we take it on board, will stand us in good stead for the year that lies ahead. I said last week that to make the best of 2020, we must start as we go on. Now I don't know how we see, how you see the, the year ahead. I said there were four ways that we could look at it. Uh, we could consider it to be a challenge. We could consider it to be an event. We could uh, consider it to be uh, uh, not the ongoing saga of our lives. Or we could consider it to be a journey. You know, and that's how we would, in, in some way or another, that's how we would consider the year ahead. The challenge. Can we rise to the challenge? The event. Can we get started with the event? The story. What are we going to write? Well, what's going to be written about 2020 as far as we're concerned? How far along the journey are we going to find ourselves when we come to the end of 2020? 20. You know, if we take this, I said that if we take this advice on board, if we start as we mean to go on, then by the end of the year, when we come to the end of 2020, we will find that we will have risen to the challenge, that we would have overcome the challenge, that we would have been successful in the event of 2020, that we would be satisfied with the, that part of our story, and we would have enjoyed the journey. Now, that's what we would look to do. You want know, following the advice that David gives us, I think will take us an awful long way to achieving those four goals uh, in this year. And the first piece of advice that we looked at last week, we found in verse 3, of course. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Now we saw last week that it was not our own endeavour, but it was trusting in the Lord. How do we trust in the Lord? How can we be sure? Then feed on his faithfulness. Look at his faithfulness and draw from his faithfulness. You no, know, we've got a whole life of uh, of 
testimony to the faithfulness of God. You know, we're looking into a, a new year that, that lies ahead. We know nothing at all about it. But we know, know what, lie, what uh, happened last year. And we know what happened the year before. And we know what happened the year before. And what did we find? We found God to be faithful in all those years. So are we gonna, is he going to change in 2020? Of course he's not. So how do we know, that, how can we be sure that trust in him is the way to go? Well, just look at the past. Look at the word. And understand that he is faithful to his promises. And he will keep his promises to us. Now this morning we're going to look at the second theme that is found in verse 4. Uh, found in the, the, the psalm and that's verse 4. And this is such a, a special verse for me. Because this is the verse that I was given when I was baptised. Delight, so I've always been able to recite this verse off, off my heart and know where it comes from. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now this is an amazing promise from God. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, as we noticed last week, each of these precious promises that we are looking at are found, are mined, if you like, as nuggets from a very, very hard place. You see, David wasn't riding on the crest of a wave when he wrote these things. You know, that's, that verse, taken out of context, such a lovely verse, such a special verse, such a comforting verse. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. But when we find, look at the context of this psalm, we find that David is going through it. He's not in a very good place. He's, um, he's stuck between a rock and a hard place, if you like. You know, he says there, do not fret because of evildoers. So it's obvious that he's in a time when things are getting on top of him and people are pursuing him and everything around him is going pear-shaped. And therefore, you know, when we think about this, um, David finds himself wondering about, thinking about, looking at this, the evildoers that are around him, and he, he, he wonders, why are they so strong? Why are they so rich? Why are they so successful? And here I am, a, a child of God, but I, and I'm not, I'm suffering under their uh, sort of heel. So we, we can see that this was mined out of a, a very difficult place, a, a very trying trial that he was going through. But you we are exhorted to take our eyes off the problems and fix them on Jesus. Delight yourself in the Lord. Yeah, but what about this Lord? What about this that's going on in my life? What about these that are playing havoc with me? What about this that I can't get over? What about this problem that's dogging me down? And to God says, oh, delight yourself in the Lord. Take your eyes from the problems. There are problems. There will be problems. Then, you know, 2020 is brimming full of problems. But it's how we deal with the problems. That's the important thing. It's how, it's how we perceive the problems. You and you is the advice that David has given to us at the outset of this year. Delight yourself in the Lord. We are exhorted to take our eyes off the problems and fix them on 
Jesus. You know, and of course, it reminds us of that comical event when Peter stepped out of the boat. Lord, can I come and walk in the water with you? And the Lord says, yes, come. And as soon as he, he was given the permission, he jumped out of the boat. You know, and uh, started to walk in the water. Why? Because he had his eyes fixed on Jesus. And as long as he had his eyes fixed on Jesus, he strode above the waves. Those waves were there. You know, it was a dreadful night. It was a, a stormy night. And yet Peter walked above the storm. He walked above his problems. He walked above the waves. Why? Because he had his eyes fixed on Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he took his eyes off Jesus. And he fixed them on his problems. And immediately he was under the waves. Under the billows. Under the, the problems. You know, and that's a beautiful, a wonderful picture of you and I. Where we've got our eyes fixed on Jesus. Yes, the problems are there. Yes, the difficulties are there. Yes, the grief is there. And the hardship of life is there. But when we look at Jesus, when we've got Him in our view, then all the other things will dim. I'm not going to say they're going to go away. But they will become um, dim. But if we fix our eyes on our problems, then Jesus becomes dim. And he is of no use to us at all. Peter was sinking. And he had to turn his eyes back onto Jesus and cry out to him. Now that's a wonderful principle for us to, to take into 2020. Now whatever problems are going to come our way, and there will be problems, we will all go through things that will drag us down, that will give us pain in one way or another. But where do we look? Do we look in and look at our problems? Because I tell you this, when you do that, you'll find more and more and more. Or do we look up and see Jesus and delight ourselves in Him? You see, Peter had two options or an option. He could either look at Jesus or he could look at the storm. That was his choice. And we've got two options. We can either look at Jesus or we could look at the storm. Because there's an obvious principle, and I've said it a number of times in my ministry, you can only look at one thing at a time. You know, if you were looking at Jesus, then you're not looking at your problems. If you were looking at your problems, then you're not looking at Jesus. So we can only look at one thing at a time. And here is David, going through the same things that you and I go through. And he says, direct yourself in the Lord. Take your eyes off those things that are getting you down. Of course, it also reminds me of the time uh, when Jesus and Martha were at the tomb of Lazarus. And again, I've said this quite a number of times uh, in the last uh, couple of years, that Martha, she was, she was, she's a great example of who we are. Um, she oozes faith in the God of the past. And she oozes faith in the God of the future. What did she say to Jesus? If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. What wonderful faith that is. That's a statement of faith. If 
You would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then Jesus said, he rises again. Yes, I know, in the future, he will rise in the resurrection, he will rise again. And then Jesus faced her with present day and says, open the tomb. Now she was talking to the one who could have saved her brother from dying. She was talking to the one who could rise him on the last day. But when the one who could do that asked her to do something now, she said, oh, by now he's thinking not. By now she, she could see God all the way back there. She could see God all the way up there. But she couldn't see God for the present. You see what she did? She measured her faith up against her problems. There's the problems. A son and a brother that died. He was in the tomb. He'd been there for four days. It's a huge problem. You know, and I'm not in any way criticizing her. But she measured her faith. Have I got enough faith to believe that Jesus can do this? And when she saw the problem, and she saw faith, she said, no. My faith is not up to that. She measured her faith up against a problem. You know, that's the worst thing that we can do, is measure our faith up against our problem. Because we haven't got that much faith. What we need to do is measure our God up against the problem. That's the important thing to do. Measure our God up against the problem. Because Jesus had no problem with the problem that, uh, that Martha had. No, don't measure your faith. Measure your God. That's important. He is so much bigger than all the problems that exist in our lives. You know, so we can take our tape measure of the success of the evildoer. David was looking at the evildoers and how wonderful things were for them. Take your measuring tape from them and the strength of the evildoer and delight yourself in the Lord. Now this is the word delight. Uh, is, a, is one of the most pleasant words that we find in the Old Testament scriptures. It simply means to be soft and pliable. That's what it means, to be soft and pliable. You know what, it gives us um, some idea as to the mechanics of prayer. You know, we must always remember that this verse is a couplet. And the second phrase must never be used in isolation from the first phrase. Now, as you can see, you can split this verse into two. You and you will receive or he will give you the, de uh, the desires of your heart. You know, we can spend our life thinking, he's going to give us the desires of our heart. God is going to give us the desires of our heart. And what we've done, we've split the couplet. They must never be split. Delight yourself in the Lord. And then he will give you the desires of your heart. See, we've got to get it right. We just can't take a verse out and sort of use it as a, a mantra all the time. We have to use the both. You know, and so many mistakes have been made because we've quoted half the verse. He shall give you the desires of your heart. You know, we have the, the same thing in John chapter 14. Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. You know, how many times have we heard that from the pulpit? If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You know, but we've quoted a little verse 
out of context. Because when you go to chapter 14 of, uh, of John, you will find that a relationship with the Father is essential for those things, for that to be true of us. You know, Christ is teaching his disciples that we have to uh, have a relationship with the Father. He has to be everything to us. You know, and of course, he also says that the Father has to be glorified in everything that happens as well. Not just me. No, I can go up and ask him for anything I want to. Anything I ask in the name of the Lord, I will have. No, no. You see, if you have a relationship with the Father, you will know the Father's heart. You will know what He wants. Not what I want. What He wants and what I want are two separate things. You know, and if I go up to the Lord and say, this is what I want. You know, you've got this little still small voice saying, yeah, but what about what I want? What about me? What about what my will, my purpose, my desire? No, but Lord, this is what I want. Mm. You know, and you, know, you can see that in, in John chapter 14. You take that verse, ask anything in my name, and I will do it. You want know, to take it out of context. You want know, you wonder sometimes if it's true, because it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Why? Because we haven't built a relationship with the Father. We don't know, or we don't ask for things that will bring glory to his name you know and of course another thing about it um, do we love the son enough if you love me says Jesus keep my commandments are we walking in the commandments of the Lord so all these things bear upon that one verse so you can't take it out of context you know how many times have we looked at that verse and we've said it doesn't work I tried it and I didn't get what I wanted. No, but you might have got what the Father wanted. And you might have got what the Father was glorified in. See, you've got to, you know, you've got to look at the word and you've got to take the whole thing <coughs> in context. So what is it that we are asking for uh, from the Father during chapter 2020? You know what? We can ask for loads of things. Come here. I've got to cut a list here. Prosperity. There's not one of us who don't, don't want to be more prosperous next year or this year than we were last year. All of us would love to be financially stable. Of course we would. That's a part of our, uh, you know, as a part of our life. We all want health. You know, and, and not one of us would say, oh, I don't mind if I'm not. No, we want health. We ask God for health. Security. Of course we want security. We want God to bless us. You know, we want a bigger church. Of course, we, we want to see more people in this place. We want a better church. Yeah, we, we really want a better church. And um, we want a more powerful ministry. Of course we do. We want people to be affected when we preach. We want people to be changed when we testify. And we witness to people. Of course, those are the things that we want. We want to see healing in our church. We want to see people moving in the gifts of the Spirit in our church. Of course, those are the, the, the desires of our heart. You know, there's nothing wrong with any of those things that I've talked about. And there are other things. Of course, we want to see our children growing up in the Lord. We want to see our grandchildren come into faith. These are the things that concern us. You know, each request is legitimate. And each one would fulfill a felt need. In all of us, of course they would. But the verse is a couplet. It's a couplet. And one part of it is no good without the other part. You would delight in God 
has to be the driving force behind the desires of your heart. You know, and uh, on Friday morning, um, you in the in the class class year, we looked at uh, Paul's passion for God. We look and we deal with uh, evangelism. You know, and if ever we need to be motivated uh, to evangelize, you know, the, what we you know, a part of that motivation is having a passion for God. You know, for His glory, for His reputation, knowing His heart. Understanding how he feels, what he sees, what he's going through. When he looks at his creation and sees the ugliness of sin and, uh, and all the, 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 the ravage of sin in, in the world, more than we can ever see. How do you feel, Lord? How do you feel about it? And that's how Paul was. He knew that God was breaking his heart over the world that had turned its back on him. You know, and, he, and of course he, he felt his pain. And then of course he looked at God and saw that in Christ or in um, the converts that he had brought to be in, God was glorified. So he, he had a passion for God's glory. Uh, I want you to be glorified Lord. Therefore I want to see this one saved and that one saved. And, you know, these are the motivations that we can sort of um, grow within us when we think about the lost. God's glory, God's heart, God's righteousness, all there to motivate us to be what we want to be. Of course, this is Paul. He was, those are the desires of his heart. And he delighted in God and saw those things come to pass. Jesus, he, he delighted himself in God. He had a passion for God. He had a passion for the lost. He had a passion for reward. These are the things we talked about on Friday. But the trouble is with him, it took him to Gethsemane. See, it's not always an easy place to go when you've got a passion for God. It took him to Gethsemane. And he fought for three hours to bring God the glory and righteous satisfaction some other way than the cross. I, you know, this is my way, Lord. This is mine. There's another way. Surely there's another way to win the loss, to, to ease your pain, to bring you glory, to, up, to uphold your righteousness. There must be another way. And God says, no, there's not. But he's got a choice. Do we delight himself in God? And God will give them the desires of his heart. Or do we go his own way? You know what, God, and he delighted himself in God. We know that. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but you will will be done. You know, and then he gave himself as a ransom in order that God's pain be eased, in order that God's glory be seen, in order that God's righteousness would, be, would rise upon the world. You know, if we start as we mean to go on in 2020 and see the desires of our hearts being realized, then we have to remember that the most important thing we need is a relationship with the Father, you know, which we need to carefully build upon. We need to see Him glorified in what we do and say. And we need to love the love of God to drive us. Roughly translated, we need to delight ourselves in the Lord. You want know, just to finish, John sums it up for us 
I think in, a, in uh, 1 John 5 and verse 14 he says now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him according to his will according delight yourself in God you see prayer prayer is not about me twisting God's hand to suit my agenda prayer is God taking people people who delight in him people who are soft and pliable and then molding them into his image you see if you are soft and pliable and that's what the word delight means if you are soft and pliable if you delight yourselves in the Lord then he will be able to wrap you around his little finger and I think that the best place to be is to be wrapped around the little finger of the Lord because then you have shown that you have delighted yourself in him that you have been soft and malleable and pliable so that whatever he wants I'm going to warn you that his ways are higher than our ways and uh, uh, and things like that and uh, we sing a song I love your ways Paul. and I think sometimes do we do we love his ways because we never seem to get around to doing his ways but it ca- comes a time in our experience when we like David you know stuck between a rock and a hard place yet he takes his eyes off the problems and the difficulties and the storms and the billows and he fixes them firmly on Jesus he delights in him and in the words of Paul Lord what do you want me to do what do you want me to do and you think that would be a lovely prayer for each of us to utter as we uh, on still, which is of course is the last uh, Sunday of the first month uh, this, this, this morning and uh, so we've you know we've really basically gone from the starting point and we're into the meat of the year but what a wonderful prayer to to pray at the beginning of the year Lord what do you want me to do now we want to be careful when you say that because the Lord has got a, a tendency to tell you what he wants you to do you know when Paul perhaps uh, was a little bit um, reluctant to listen to the answer I want you to go and do this and do this and do this and I will tell you now that you will suffer many things for my sake oh 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 oh, I don't mind uh, the doing bits it's the suffering bits I'm not interested in but delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart